that has to happen for us to become second and God to become first. Everyone wants to be safe and successful. What I mean by safe is everyone wants comfort. We want to know that there is food to eat. We want to know that there are clothes to wear. We want to be sure that there is a roof over our heads. We all desire a sense of security. And we desire some kind of an amount of recognition. We want to know that people think we're important. Right? We all want to be good at something and to have people notice our skill and our worth. As a pastor, I feel a lot better when someone tells me, that was a good sermon, pastor, than when someone tells me, that sermon stunk. Right? I don't hear that very much, and thank you for not telling me when they do stink. (laughs) Because we all have a desire to have self-worth. Say that with me, self-worth. Self-worth, we all have a desire for that. And there is nothing wrong with these desires because these desires are normal. They're natural. They're good. They inspire us to work hard and to provide for our families. They inspire us to care for ourselves and those that we love. But even good things, when they are not prioritized, You can end up with something that becomes terrible and ugly. Even that amazing television that you just got, PB, with all the perks, if it's not prioritized, you'll find yourself in an ugly place doing terrible things. There's four things that I want to bring out in this week's sermon, and we're talking about success and what success can do. Before I even go to the, the, the biblical example, I want to talk about the first thing. And that point number one, we all face the temptation of being distracted by success and comfort. The desire for things, for money, for comfort can override all other concerns. These desires can make our life about only the present. What is going to happen to me right now? I want to make sure that I'm taken care of right now. And these kinds of things will make us frantic sometimes. Only the physical. And they make us think about only ourselves sometimes. Do we ever think it's only about me? Or do we ever live like if only about me. You see, a natural desire for food can lead us, I don't want to say this, to gluttony. A natural desire for clothes and a place to live can grow into greed and materialism. A healthy desire for security and recognition, if it's fed the wrong way can grow into pride and arrogance. We saw the video of how 
Brady James, professional football player, he faced these same temptations. And he could have allowed his natural abilities and his bank account to silence the story that God had given him. But instead, he used his success as a platform and his struggles as an example of God's grace. You see, beloved, we can use our story as a platform of God's testimony in our lives and success in our lives. And we can use our struggles to tell a story of the faithfulness of God's grace. How many of us are thankful for our struggles? Can I tell you that I am? I'm thankful for my struggles because in those times, I know that I can't and he can. I'm thankful that in those times, I cannot trust in myself. And you know, I have found that I can't even trust in people. I can trust in Jesus in those times because he's always faithful. The Bible tells us this is why we labor and strive. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Emphasis on strive to put our hope in the living God. Every day, beloved, we have a choice to strive to trust in our own attributes, in our own resources, in our own strength, or we can trust in God. God never runs out of strength. He never runs out of resources. He never runs out of hope. He's always there. He's large and he's in charge. Amen? Putting him first in all of our affairs and getting our self-worth from his greatness and his gifting. How important is that? Putting him first in everything that we set out to do. And getting our self-worth from his greatness and his gifting. I, I'm just thinking about Rosetta right now and thinking about her coming up. And I remember she started this class and this, this training and this, this further education and, and how, how excited we were every time she got a great grade. And... If you knew Rosetta's life and where she came from, you would see what a miracle she is. And, and the one thing that you will see in her life and Paul's is how they give glory to Jesus. And how they walk in his greatness. You see, I think about my own life. I've been tempted by success. And making too much of what other people may think. Instead of living for what God thinks about me. And thank God that I have a wife who cares about me and says, baby, you're all right, but you ain't that much. <laughs> I mean, you're fine and all that, baby, but you ain't that much. You know what I mean? Thank God for people that set us straight. I've got another major man of God in my life who's been here since I came to Christ. And... And I know that, that in the years he's known and recognized that there was a potential gifting from God 
And, and he never flooded with me with flattery because flattery can kill people. So every time that I would do something and set out, and the Lord would do some pretty awesome things, and he would sit me in my office and he would, or in his office, and he would say, well, you did this, you did this, you, did, you could do this better, you could do this, you could do this. And he always brought me down to size. Because the reality is, beloved, that we all have success at times, but we cannot let success, our success, dictate our lives. We have got to let the success of God be our source. God has had to teach me that true success comes only through putting Christ first. Every day, I'm still learning this truth. And today we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Anyone know who Zacchaeus is? He was also tempted by success. The distraction of money and wealth was pulling him just like it pulls us. But what we'll find in the end of this story is he used his influence and his connections as a platform to share the eternal message of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that we're all going to do the same. You see, I know in this room that there are many of you that God has given you success. Many of you in here are doing very well in your jobs you're doing very well in your families. You're doing well in your community. You're probably respected. And there's some of you that maybe you are working toward that way. God is developing you and he's going to give you platforms. What we need to grab a hold of, beloved, is that platform that God gives us is always for his glory. And any time that we take the glory, we are setting ourselves up for failure. There are many a pastors, many evangelists. That people have put their eyes on them and they've set them up for failure. So please, right now, get your eyes off of Pastor James. <laughs> put them on Jesus. Put the eye on the prize as we move forward. Zacchaeus teaches us how important that is. So point number two, the Bible story of how success can tempt us and try to keep us from putting God where he needs to be in our life, and that is first. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this first service, and as we open up your word and we begin to read, Lord God, from the story of Zacchaeus, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will just be with every one of us, that your word will speak to our hearts, that it will, uh, our minds will be open to grab a hold and, and, and have the knowledge that we need to become more like you, Father. And if we don't know you tonight, today, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that their hearts will be open to receive Jesus for the first time so that they can have a life of true success because that comes through the King, through Jesus only and him only. So we pray this in his name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. So the Bible story, we, it introduces the, the, the kiosk like this, okay? It says, Jesus entered Jericho. And he was passing, he was, as he was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So right away we find out the location and the occasion, Jericho. The main character in this, in this story we see is who? Jesus. 
And the emphasis, as always is in Scripture, is how Jesus can and will change an individual's life. And the individual in this story is a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very successful man. But he was a hated man because he was a Jew who worked for the Roman Empire. The Jews considered the Romans to be their enemies. Why? Because the Romans were the conquerors of that day. And they oppressed all the other ethnicities. So Zacchaeus, in the mind of his countrymen, was a traitor. And not only was he working for the Romans, he was a tax collector. And how many of you like it when the IRS sends you a letter in the mail? Some of you are smiling and some of you put your head down. <laughs> he was a tax collector who were considered the lowest of the low. Because you have to understand that there were not the regulations that we have in the modern time right now that were monitored closely. And tax collectors, they would take a greater percentage of taxes that were owed and they would pocket these, this money for their personal gain and for their growth. And Zacchaeus was very good at what he did because he was a chief tax collector. That tells us that homie right there, he could collect some money, right? He was successful because the Bible says that he was very wealthy. Not only was he wealthy, he was very wealthy. But there was something that was missing in his life. Because you see, all this wealth did not fill his need. All the money and success will never fill that God-sized void that every one of us has in our soul. Doesn't matter how much stuff we have. Doesn't matter how much money we have in our account. It doesn't matter what we have. If it's outside of God and we don't have God, we are empty. Zacchaeus was empty. That better be important, that phone call right there. We <laughs> That's the Lord, right? We are all created to have God first in our lives, and until this happens, we are all looking for something more. How do I know that? Because when the iPhone 1 came out, everyone was looking for the iPhone 2. The iPhone 3, the iPhone 4, and so on. And now they have a phone. I don't know if you've seen it. It's all commercial. They have a phone that is a wrist watch. And you put it on. PB, you want to talk about something you need to get. I mean, you can do everything on this phone. You can talk. It's a wristwatch. You can send emails. You can do this and that. And can I tell you something? Once this is here for about six months, there will be something else. I don't know. We were all created to have God first. And until that time, we're looking for something more. 
When, when, when Zacchaeus heard the buzz about Jesus, he became very curious. How do we know? Because the Bible helps us. It said he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So there was a parade of people coming and Jesus is coming through the crowds. And so, I, you know, if, if, if Zacchaeus was Hispanic, if he was a Latino, we would have called him Chapo. Chapito. That just means short. All right. And so Zacchaeus, I mean, he, he can't see through the crowds. That means there's a lot of people there. And he's intrigued about this man that everyone is talking about. There's a buzz going around about this Jesus Christ. And because Zacchaeus was missing something, he had to climb on that sycamore tree. Don't fall. That's probably how Zacchaeus was. And I started thinking about this. Sometimes we need help so that we can see Jesus and so that we can find him. And I started thinking about that in my own life. And I started thank thanking God about the sycamore trees of my life. Those things, those people that helped me to see Jesus a little bit clearer, helped me to find the Savior of mankind. See, Zacchaeus that day got the sycamore tree. All of us, we need something or someone to help us see Jesus clearly. You see, those who aim for wealth, for success, and for comfort, and pleasure, and all the things of this world, a point will always come in our lives when our dreams become empty and hollow. After that stuff, after that wristwatch that gives you the time and gets the phone and it's this and it's that, there always comes a time that that doesn't meet our needs anymore. That that's not filling that excitement anymore. Even in our marriages, there comes a time that that person doesn't fill the void. And that's why it's so important to have Jesus. Amen? The time always comes when things that were supposed to make us happy only make us miserable. They fail to fill the void. And I want you to think about this because maybe you haven't reached this point yet, but I believe that every one of us knows the feeling. We all know the feeling where stuff is just not filling that void anymore. But there's something, there's something that God has built in each of us that will tell us there is more than this stuff. There, when you start feeling there's something more, and can I tell you, every person that is sitting in this first service, you are here because you're seeking someone greater than you. You're here because there's something in your life that's missing, and the one thing in our life that's missing is Jesus Christ, and until we have him in our lives, we will be searching 
for the next thing. But when Jesus comes into our lives, you understand that that next thing is just something else because you've got the great one in your life. And when you have the great one in your life, you've got the peace that surpasses all understanding. You have the joy that no one can take from you. Even in our hardest times, I talked about my mom being sick last week and how they were going to bring hospice in. And it's amazing when people pray because hospice isn't coming in. The Mayo Clinic called up, said there may be a liver transplant available. You see, there's always hope with Jesus. There's always hope. There's always something better. It's always a new day. There's always a potential that you will be filled with the goodness of God. And until we have that... We're just empty without him. Zacchaeus, like many of us, had a taste of dissatisfaction with his present circumstance. And I can say this for myself, that when I came to Christ, that I had a taste of dissatisfaction in my mouth. I was so dissatisfied with everything in life, and I knew that there had to be something more. And so what he found... What Zacchaeus found was a friend of sinners. See, I don't know if Zacchaeus was just intrigued by Jesus. I, I, we read the story, and he wanted, to, he wanted to see who this Jesus was. He might have been intrigued and just, you know, inquiring minds always want to know. But what he found in Jesus was forgiveness. And if you remember, as we've been going through this series, you can never have love without forgiveness. So he found the one that was sent because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the reason that he gave his son was so that we could be forgiven. And everyone around Zacchaeus said he's nothing but a, he's a cheat. He's a thief. He's a traitor. And Jesus looked at him and he said, I'm your friend. And that's exactly what he does to all of us. The wealth, the stuff, the prestige, it's not our friend. In fact, it uses us. As much as we think we use the stuff, the stuff will use us if we let it. It will use us because you'll never get fulfillment with it. It's good for a while. A brand new car, you wash it for a while. And after six months, you're tired of washing it. That's why we have children. No Jew, especially a religious Jew, and even less a religious leader, would have ever associated with someone like Zacchaeus. The text shows us this truth. You see, Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was a tax collector. He was a traitor who had dishonored God. But how many of you just thank God that Jesus breaks the religious rules? How many of you thank God that Jesus Christ didn't come to make you religious? He came to bring you a relationship with God Almighty. 
The Bible says when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, here he is on the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came at once and he welcomed him gladly. Now just picture this. Zacchaeus is on this tree. He, everyone probably just looked as Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And everyone's attention that was on Jesus and all the miracles that he had done, now all the attention is on this Zacchaeus, old chapel in the tree. And he started walking down, and he says, I must stay at your house today. Jesus had so many titles when he walked on this earth. Some people called him rabbi. Some people called him savior. Some people called him Lord. But that day, Zacchaeus found out another title. And that title is that he's a friend of sinners. You see, we come to a place in our life and, and some people look at Jesus and you look at him. He's the savior of mankind. Oh, yes, he is. He's the Lord of eternity. He's the Lord of hosts. He's Lord over everything. Kurios, supreme in authority. Oh, yes, he is. Teacher, rabbi, raboni. Oh, yes, he is. But how many of us associate him as friend and a friend of sinners of which I am the greatest of all? Amen? When you grab a hold of that fact that Jesus Christ is found to be a friend. You see, he did not just hang out at the local synagogue and give polished sermons about salvation and God. He did talk about salvation he is salvation but that was not his goal on the earth he met with Samaritan women something that Jews never did he touched lepers and he healed them he drank with drinkers and he ate with tax collectors and everyone around him would be so upset because Jesus did not come, beloved, to make you religious. He came to save your soul. He became friends with the outcast and the lost, and he became friends with sinners. And this will always lead you to point number three. It will lead us to change your story from success obsessed to redefined success. What it all comes to in this story is there's a difference between loving God and loving money. The Bible story says, but Zacchaeus, he stood up and he said to the Lord, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Something happens to something happened to Zacchaeus's heart. He learned an important thing that day that loving God requires everything. God wants everything or nothing. Are you with me? God deserves everything or nothing at all. 
Zacchaeus, like many of us, he loved money and his priorities got twisted by materialism. And beloved, if you don't know that the United States of America has some things twisted, starting with me, we are so comfortable, we have so much stuff, but stuff without God is nothing. And that's what Zacchaeus learned. He used to cheat, he stole, he betrayed even those ones that he loved to chase prosperity, wealth, comfort, and success. But when he found Jesus, he had a choice to make. And I'm going to say that, beloved, when we find Jesus, we all have a choice to make. He could have God or he could have money. But he could not have them both. Are you with me? And some of you are saying, oh, where are you going with this pastor? I'm going wherever the Lord's going to direct us to go. You see, Jesus comes into our life and he reprioritizes our lives. And he begins to redefine success. It's not that money or success is inherently bad or evil or that God wants his followers to be poor and miserable but instead God wants to be first money doesn't do anything money will do whatever you tell it to do success doesn't do anything success will do whatever you tell it to do the reality here beloved is that God doesn't want to take second place to anything he does not want to take second place to money. He does not want to take second place to success. He is God, and he shouldn't have to. If money is more important to, to us, I'm not going to say to you, to us than God. If comfort is more important, if, if that new house is more important, or that car takes first place over God, this, this is what will happen, beloved. That thing will become your if the house that we live in is your source of comfort above God, it will become your little G God. So Zacchaeus teaches us an important lesson. He learned that he did not have the strength to hold on to his wealth and his money without letting it rule his heart. None of us do. None of us have the strength to hold on to our money and our wealth and our success without letting it rule our lives. So what did he do? What's the lesson? He began to give it away. That's exactly what you were saying, Pastor Bob. Giving away changes our hearts, changes our lives. God gave the very best. He gave it all. And can I tell you something? God never takes from us without giving us back and then some. He just does not want for stuff to have us. He wants for us to be held in his hands and in his ways and in his direction. And when that happens, there is true peace. Here's the principle that 
Zacchaeus learned. He learned success is not the money in our pockets or the title on our business card. It's our faithfulness to God. That's the lesson that, pe- that, that God teaches me. Success is not what people say about me. Success is not all the accolades. Because pastors can get a lot of accolades. He's a preacher man. Can I tell you I'm nothing? He's everything. Anytime that we depend on our wealth, we, we, we live in a country, we li- and it's not only in this country, it's everywhere. The reason I say this country is when we travel, when we go to Guatemala, when we go to different places to do missions, can I tell you that everyone wants to hear about the United States of America because we are a very blessed nation. But the only reason we've been blessed is because God has allowed us to be blessed. And if we take God out of our lives, our nation will be just like any other nation. And we're in trouble if we don't put Jesus Christ back at the center. Are you with me? And I'm not political. I'm just speaking truth. Zacchaeus began to make things right by giving back to people whom he had cheated. That's called restoration. That's called, remember we talked about uh, um, legion. Jesus said, go back to your people. Go and those bridges that you've burned, go and make them right. Zacchaeus had burned some bridges. Put your money where your mouth is, Zacchaeus. You just told me, those people that you've cheated, you're going to give four times the amount. Okay, start doing it now. And how many times in our lives does God work and he begins to restore relationships? That's a God that we serve. And Zacchaeus was glad to do it because he wanted to prove success is about obeying God not following the world. Every one of us is tempted to follow the ways of the world. Every day. It's my money, and I need it now. You ever heard that? I'm entitled to this. Go back to what PB said. What is God entitled to? He's entitled for us to give us, give him our lives. And everything that comes with that. Point number four. Tell your story of change. Jesus saw a new heart. Jesus sees a new heart. A heart that no longer loved money and success above all else. A heart that understood the emptiness and the vanity that the love of money brings. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, because something happened in Zacchaeus, as Zacchaeus spoke to him, he said, Lord, right now, I'll tell you, right now, Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to make things right. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. In other words, while all the other Jews said this guy is nothing but a cheater, he's a no good for nothing, he's a tax collector, Jesus said, I see him as a son of Abraham who's worthy of salvation and forgiveness. He said, "This for the Son of Man came to seek And to save the lost. Raise your hand if you're thankful that God came to seek you out. 
raise your hand and say, Lord, thank you for you seeking for me and finding me because I was so lost and so needy and you came and you found me. His country considered him a traitor, but Jesus considered him a hero because he finally turned his life to God. He was lost, but now he was found because God knows where to find sinners. Amen? That's why, our, that's why our job as believers is not just to be here in church and sit down in the pews and, and sit down in the seats and say, oh, yes, amen. Our task is to go out and be Jesus to a people that need a Savior. Here's my question to all of us. Where is your heart? Here's a gauge. Do you find your mind consumed with money? PJ, with the next shopping trip, the next vacation, the new home, or the new car. When you get a bonus, do you think of all the things you can buy? Or do you think of how can we be a blessing to God by giving to others? Or maybe it's not money. But maybe it's success that motivates us. Are you obsessed with promotions? Are you obsessed with awards and degrees? It can happen. You got to check your heart. And that's the exact reason why I said before you earned a diploma, God had already giving you his diploma and said you're going to change lives because diplomas don't change lives. God does. Pastors are not made at a cemetery. I mean a seminary. Pastors and elders are ordained in heaven. And they're recognized. And they change lives. So sometimes the ambition of success and prestige and for people to say all these things. Let me tell you, pastors, I'm about ready to start working on my master's degree. Just it sounds good. <laughs> what do you have? A master's. Working on my PhD now. But don't you think that that kind of stuff can really grab a hold of you? can't be that. It's got to be Jesus. You see, these are good, but not the obsession with them, not the love of them. We have to remember that God demands to be first, and he does not accept competitors. He is a jealous God. And just like with my wife, let me tell you something. I'm not jealous, but don't mess with my honey bunny. Don't mess with her. God is the same in a greater way and in a perfect way with his people. He does not want for anything to take his place in our life. He deserves to be first because he's God. We can live for success or for comfort or money or we can live... For God. 
It's our choice. Let's all bow our heads. The praise team must have really been into this message because they can come up with this last point.